Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Joe Runyon, and tonight we present a discussion on the astrolabe as a magical device. Now, those of you who have seen John Carter will recall the medallion of the Holy Therns that enabled them and Carter to transmit themselves to other planets in the solar system. It was a magical device that required a conjuration to make it work. There is a very impressive scene inside a Thern temple with an illuminated solar system on the transparent floor that shows the vectors and the formulas. That is, if you can read Barsoomian. Now, uh, this was this was created by an Earthling screenwriter. So, the question is, do we or did we have anything like the Thurn Medallion in our magical tradition to inspire him? Well, the answer is yes. The astrolabe, a marvelous handheld instrument from classical times that could locate celestial objects, stars, calculate their exact altitude and position, primarily used for navigation. It was also used by astrologers and magicians. Combined with the Soma Sophia, that is a completely gridded celestial sphere, it also becomes a device to project consciousness, like the third medallion, to other worlds, with the Soma Sophia derived formulas, of course. Now, this is all sixth-degree material, but uh, perhaps it will inspire some of you to keep climbing Mithra's ladder. So if you are curious to know how wizards explore the heavens, stay with us, and we will plot a course, and we will set sail. Now, uh, back to John Carter for a moment. Um, if you take a look at a fern medallion, and of course you can see them, you can see them on the internet. Just, uh, just uh, put John Carter, John Carter medallion will get you there quicker. You'll notice that it, uh, and then take a look at an astrolabe, and you can see very, very easily where where the uh, uh, the screenwriter and 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 the prop uh, the prop uh, designer got their ideas for this uh, because the pattern uh, this this pattern on on the uh, on the third medallion is very much like the like the uh, the wreath pattern on a, on a labrador astrolabe. So, uh, what is an astrolabe? And uh, and how do we use it magically? Okay. Now, according to Wikipedia, an astrolabe, Greek astrolabos, the star taker, and it's an elaborate inclinometer historically used by astronomers, navigators, and astrologers. Its many uses include locating and predicting the positions of the sun, moon, planets, and stars, determining local time given local latitude and vice versa, surveying and triangulation. It was used in classical antiquity. In the Islamic Golden Age, the European Middle Ages, and the Renaissance, for all these purposes. In the Islamic world, it was also used to calculate the Qibla, and to find, that's the direction to Mecca, and to find the time for Salat, prayers. However, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the Muslim world, you'd, if you got an astrolabe even back then, uh, you better be very careful uh, that that's all you use it for, because uh, use it for anything else, and, and, and uh, you're going to get buried up your neck and, with a black bag over your head, so uh, uh, and that'd be the same way today. Now, uh, there is often confusion between the astro astrolabe and the mariner's astrolabe. And while the astrolabe could be useful for determining latitude on land, it was an awkward instrument for use on the heaving deck of a stripper in the wind. The mariner's astrolabe was developed to solve these problems. Now, uh, actually, uh, they most often used uh, wooden astrolabes, which finally gave way to metal ones because the wood wood would warp, especially at sea. And uh, this device, uh, and, and those of you who are, who are interested are certainly going to going to look it up on the internet and and uh, see the see the images of it. 
And also, we're going to recommend right now, uh, I recommend a, an introductory video by a fellow by the name of Ted Mujes. I think his name is Mujes. Let me see. I guess down there in the back of the Wikipedia article. Anyway, if you go on YouTube, just put, uh, put Ted's Astrolabe video, and uh, that'll get you there. And he did this lecture at Oxford, and, and they videoed it and added some uh, some graphics to it. So it's a very, very nice little, little introduction to, um, uh, to the astrolabe. And uh, uh, to describe the, the, the unit, and I have, uh, I have a, a, a paper one made from a kit. Uh, well, it's kind of stiff, it's, you know, kind of stiff punch-out uh, cardboard one, which, which works very well, and you can read it. And then I have a smaller one, a much smaller one in pewter that I got years ago at the Renaissance Fair, which is, uh, which is the engraving is so small that you'd need a jeweler's loop to actually use it. Um, the way the astrolabe is, is uh, designed, it's a flat disc, and, and it has a, a projection of the celestial sphere on it, what's, what, what's called a planiosphere. And this is on a plate which fits in another uh, disc with a bezel around it, and that's called the mother or the, or the mater. And you put this plate or the climate or timpani in, in the, uh, the middle of the mother, there's a, there's a hole drilled through, through the mother and through the plate. And then on top of the, uh, on top of the plate, there's another a sort of a cutout um, uh, device, uh, a cutout uh, uh, pattern called the reet. And the reet has, is, is all cut out, it's kind of open work, with little points on it uh, for the various stars. And the reek revolves, and of course it also has a zodiac on it, and it revolves around, around the plenty of sphere as you turn it, the way you would, uh, you would turn a, a, a dial. You turn it and, and uh, turn the reek on top of the plate, which has the planet, the planisphere, or what we would call the Soma Sophia, imprinted right on it, and, and, uh, which, is, which is literally a, a projection of the, of the round celestial sphere. Now, the astrolabe was supposedly invented by the, the Greek uh, uh, philosopher Hipparchus uh, back in uh, 150 uh, B.C. Um, but there's a legend that it was invented actually by Ptolemy and his horse, because according to the, that legend, Ptolemy had a celestial globe, which is what they used before the astrolabe to to uh, to do all of this calculation, they had an actual globe with with uh, you know bezels around it, and so Ptolemy had this globe in his hand. He's riding on his horse, and he drops the globe, and the horse steps on the globe and flattens it. And Ptolemy gets off his horse and recovers the flattened out globe and 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 gives his horse a carrot and says, "Yeah, we just invented the astrolabe because it's it still works." So, and that's you know it's kind of a astrological joke, I guess, but, but um, uh, it does, it is a flattened celestial sphere, and that reed, that open work reed, uh, dials around it and points out where the stars are. And then there's a couple of sighting uh, devices where you can, you can tell, uh, you can set it for the time and the, and, uh, and the, uh, the day and the time, uh, and then you can take a sight on the star itself and get the uh, the declination, and uh, and you can actually tell time. You can tell time with this. It it it, it actually had something to the early clocks, by the way, especially in Europe. The early clocks were actually had astrolabes built right into them, and there were clockwork astrolabes created too. So you might say this is a, this is an early computer, uh, not quite as elaborate as the Anthricus computer, but 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 elaborate in its own way and very, very, very effective. Uh, which brings us to the, the question of, well, is it a magical device? Well, certainly it is, because it, uh, as Ted says in his video, it puts you in touch with the heavens. You know, you're, it's your connection. 
it's your connection to the to the to the heavenly bodies around you. And of course, as you know, uh, magic, especially hermetic magic, is is entirely connected with astrology. You know, and and so consequently, the astrolabe connects you with uh, with the heavens spiritually and and uh, and uh, connects your imagination with them. So uh, this this really is a uh, a magical it's a, it's a astrological or astro- astronomical sighting device, but it's also uh, a uh, it's also a magical uh, device to uh, allow you if you are developed enough in your in your magical work to actually project your consciousness to help you project your consciousness out to uh, the star, the planet, wherever you you want to go in the universe. I want to uh, mention that this that this is uh, in our system is used with our Soma Sophia, and the Soma Sophia in 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 a way the Soma Sophia, although we were the ones who um, reconstructed it, um, but it's still it is it is essentially on the one of the one of the climates or the or the uh, the timpanies of the of the astrolabe. The the astrolabe the ones that they that they used um, professionally in the old days had a whole selection of different plates that you could put in that in that mother disc and uh, for the different latitudes. And uh, but what what I'd like to do uh, in a moment here is is uh, get into um, into the crater Rapoa and uh, and talk about the sixth degree because the sixth degree is is actually where we use the um, where we use the uh, the astrolabe and the Soma Sophia. In the sixth grade, astronomers before the gate of the gods. Now this grade required some preparation. When the candidate entered the assembly the assembly hall, he was put in irons, and the Thesmophorus then led uh, led him first. Back to the gate of death, which had many steps one had to climb down, because when initiated uh, to the third grade, the cave was filled with water. And here he saw corpses lying around that had been put to death as traitors to the society, and he was threatened with the same destiny and then led back to take a new oath. And after taking the oath, the origin of the whole dogma of the gods was told, and instructions for the practical astronomy were given. And um, at night, he had to present to be present at their observation and help them work. And he was warned about astrology and horoscopes. Now, uh, for they had they uh, for they hated and loathed them as the cause of all idolatry and superstition. Now, this, by the way, is very very misleading because whoever put this put this in here was was one of these. One of these so-called Enlightenment scholars who who decided that that uh, astrology was was bunk. By the way, we thought this was originally we thought this was an uh, Illuminati taint, but actually it comes it, it turns out that the Craterapoa preceded the Illuminati, and the Craterapoa influenced the Illuminati rather than the other way around. So we were wrong about that. Now. Um, and to continue with this with this character says these false teachers and the people had chosen the word Phoenix as their password at which the astronomers just sneered now um I'm not the only one who rejects this um this whole thing. Manly Hall was very offended by it also um and uh, so we we we've cut we've cut it out of the uh, out of the uh crater reform out of the the modern version. Now, right after his acceptance, he was led to the gate of the gods, that's Capricorn, and it was and it was opened. And there he found them in the form of there he found in the form of paintings, whereby the demiurgos, all all the interpretation of their history started without concealing anything. Now these are actually tarot cards, and uh, and so um, in the in the French one degree version of Craterapoa. Uh, which we also uh, have uh, used. Uh, these tarot cards were were all presented, and uh, they claimed that Paul Christian claimed they were developed originally by M. Bleaches, but of course that's that's not possible. But uh, they also showed him 
The line of their prior high guards, chief overseers, and a list of new members scattered around the world. They also taught him the priestly dance, which represented the orbit of the heavenly bodies in its in its movements. And um, actually, that that yeah, kind of sounds like uh, like uh, Taoist uh, constellation dancing, which is something that uh, that. Uh, uh, Fred Adams was, was quite fascinated by. Now, the past word was ibis, which meant the crane and symbolized vigilance. And uh, we sort of used that in our in our Cusar's boat. It has an ibis head, and that, that's a boat for, for sailing the starways, which we also use. Now, um, what I want to try to uh, point out here is is that astrology, and this is why this this, this little thing stuck in here, there was a it was a it was a committee of German scholars that that helped put this thing together. Uh, uh, von Hun was the was the main author, but but uh, the uh, this committee actually worked on this thing and they did a lot of research on it. And this 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 uh, diatribe against astrology here is is one of the one of the sad things about the so-called Enlightenment. Uh, the Enlightenment is actually, in, in many ways, not that much of an Enlightenment, at least not not from a hermetic point of view. Brother uh, Solomon, are you here? Are you there? I am. Can you hear me loud and clear? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. Good. I just good. Uh, I'm just going through the sixth grade of uh, astronomers and explaining that uh, the diet that that they're that their put down on, on astrology was uh, was not not valid, certainly not valid in the Hermetic tradition. Uh, and uh, I've already discussed the uh, already discussed the uh, the origin and uh, and uh, something about the construction of the astrolabe. And what I'm just about to do was to go back and and give uh, people a little bit of a background on the Soma Sophia. Uh, which we've covered in, in in a previous show. However, it is very the Summa Sophia has a uh, very very um, has quite a bit to do with the astrolabe as far as the magical device is concerned. And so, I'm just going to go ahead and, and uh, give a little bit of a review on that. The Summa Sophia, that's the goddess of wisdom, the starry goddess. It began with uh, with the uh, Egyptian goddess Nuit and uh, you don't have to be a Thelemite to appreciate Nuit. Nuit uh, was was a goddess that stretched herself across the whole arc of the heavens, and and this is very very apropos, like um, the idea that the heavens are female, and this is reflected in the Kabbalah, in the realm of of, of Binah, which is which is uh, Sphere of Binah, which is called the realm of the fixed stars, and and uh, which unfortunately got attributed to Saturn. But that is not apropos at all. We changed that, so we got we moved Saturn down to Daath, where uh, where it belongs, and and uh, so Binah is the realm of the fixed stars, and that's and that's uh, that's the Soma Sophia, and 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 it's it's seen as a great goddess in the heavens. Well, uh, she's pictured not not only in hieroglyphics, but also uh, it was very very. Very popular during the the, the uh, Greco-Roman period, and the Soma Sophia is shown with all the signs of the zodiac, on coffin uh, lids and, and sarcophagi from the from the Greco-Roman period, uh, and the Soma Sophia uh, was completely delineated in Kabbalistic terms by the Gnostic magician. Marcus, and Marcus was a student of Valentinius, and he was a Gnostic, uh, Gnostic Christian, and uh, and uh, very very much of a, uh, a Gnostic Christian, uh, in keeping with the Gospel of Philip, which which is uh, you know pretty much gives you the Valentinian perspective on Christianity, which is which is the sacred marriage is the passion, not the crucifixion. And uh, as we've said before, uh, are we paganizing Christianity or are we Christianizing paganism? <laughs> you can have you you can you can have it either way. But but uh, in that respect, I think we're uh, Dan Brown and Holy Blood, Holy Grail, and all the rest of that goes right along with it. Now, uh, 
The Soma Sophia, uh, according to Marcus, what we have left of his, his dispensation, all the way around the Zodiac, he attributed a letter of the Greek alphabet to each one of the uh, signs of the Zodiac. Now that means that you had, at least this is according to Arrhenius and Hippolytus, who uh, who uh, gave us. Without them, we wouldn't we wouldn't know what Marcus had done. But Marcus attributed a letter of, of uh, a Greek letter to each sign of the zodiac, from you know from Aries all the way to to the end of the zodiac, and uh, and that gave him twelve. But then. Um, the rest of them were on. Were the, the other twenty-four letters went Mustafaron the way the ox plows right on back uh, the other way, and and uh, so so that you had twenty-four letters, uh, twelve letters going going to the from from the, the equator to the uh, or the celestial equator to the North Pole or the zodiac actually because he did it on the zodiac. Uh, all the way from the zodiac to the north pole of the ecliptic, and all the way on the south, all the way down to the south pole of the ecliptic, which meant that you had um, a, that you had a, a Greek letter, 24 of them, for each uh, each sign of the zodiac. Well, uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that there's more to this, and I'm not a rocket scientist, but I figured it out. So, so uh, what I I knew thinking. Like a magician, I realized that that uh, this was just the, 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 the these assignments of the twenty four letters to the um, uh, you know to the uh, around the zodiac to each one was just the start of this thing. You could permeate all the way up and and grid the whole the whole celestial sphere all the way from the north pole of the, uh, the ecliptic down to the zodiac and then all the way to the south pole of the ecliptic, giving yourself literally a, a Greek letter to apply to every, every celestial body and every star in the, whole, in the heaven could, could have a, uh, and all the constellations could be spelled out with these, with these Greek letters. And this, by the way, is the origin of the Greek, what's called the Greek Kabbalah. It also had a lot of influence on the Hebrew Kabbalah too, and uh, nobody had had actually gone ahead and 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 uh, filled out this all these letters all the way up, and so we did it and and we published it in the seventh ray, and uh, this was the green ray, uh, book three, and it's available on Amazon, and of course if you're an associate member you can get it for you can get it for. For, for half price uh, through your through your uh, membership, um, and uh, this gives us a complete tablature of the uh, of the of the celestial sphere. And also, I think this is this was the original origin of D and Kelly's uh, Watchtower tablets. Uh, that's what they were trying to trying to come up with when they developed the Watchtower uh, the uh, the Enochian Watchtower tablets, and uh, but. They and one of the reasons why, we, why I'm pretty sure this is the case is because the Valentinians, including Marcus, had 30 aeons, 30 ascending aeons, and Dean Kelly's Aether system has 30 Aethers, and all the other Gnostic systems had 10, and, and except for this 30. So that's why I believe that that Marcus's Soma Sophia was the original. It was the original origin of the of the uh, of those Phoenician tablets, but they're properly in Greek, and and uh, they're properly in Greek. And if you're going to use this system, you need to use Greek and the Greek Kabbalah. Now, um, so in order to use it, we cite we cite on the star with the astrolabe, of course, and uh, and we get the uh, and and uh, then we have the formulas. To reach the star, derived from uh, from the uh, um, from Soma Sophia itself, and we have formulas for all the constellations and 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 and, all, and, and formulas derived from all the stars, and we also have a, a sighting device which works with this system, and that's called a tesseract, and that uh, that is another one of our one of our 
our secrets, which I probably shouldn't be revealing, but then on the other hand, I want to interest you guys in this uh, in this program, so you'll stay with us. Uh, and uh, uh, Prayer Solomon, I, 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 I'm uh, um, I'm just about the point where I think maybe you ought to comment on some of this. You want to tell us, uh, uh, give us some thoughts about projecting consciousness out into the into the uh, um, into the solar system and into the into the world beyond, or the universe beyond. Yeah, I mean, uh, what the Soma Sophia is going to allow us to do is it's going to allow us to really explore. Um, a, a good way of describing it, uh, when you're not in the inner order, you're really exploring yourself and your consciousness as it is in your head. When you get in the inner order, then you have an opportunity to expand your consciousness into the entire universe. And and that's what, uh, with the Bosch working, we were beginning to do. We have, uh, uh, of course, the, the primary thing um, I think we're all going to want to visit is each of the signs of the zodiac. And um, with modern astronomy uh, combined with um, the Soma Sophia, we'll really be able to project into um, not just... Um, the planets that we're discovering that are in other uh, star systems, but all the, uh, the the star clusters, center of the galaxy, um, other galaxies. I, I, I think a lot of us would think it'd be fun to go to the Andromeda galaxy. And just really uh, connecting to all of these symbols, these, you know, these principally these 12 main archetypes. So Ptolemy, he, he has 48 uh, constellations listed, but we know these 12 zodiac signs are the most important. So, We'll be able to visit the energies that we've received in past lives or will need to receive in future lives. And one of the things that I think on the sixth degree um, that the German scholars missed when they were trying to put this together, I I don't think that the Egyptians were against astrology. I think what these um, sages were doing, they were mastering the stars rather than being victims of the stars because in old astrology uh, there was a common conception that the stars ruled your destiny and there was nothing you could do about it. I, I kind of like the, the Rosicrucian um, maxim I've heard. I don't remember the exact words, but um, take charge of your own destiny. Don't, don't let it take charge of you. That's really what we want to do when we study astrology. How can we use the stars to our advantage? And uh, that's the misconception I, I think the scholars made when they were reconstructing the crater of Poe is that we can actually learn, especially by using the Soma Sophia, we can really project into uh, parts of our consciousness that um, that are universal and have been with us in past lives and will be with us in future lives. According to, uh, according to uh, Hermes, uh, um, we are, you are the center of the universe. Uh, the universe is right. boundless, so wherever you are, that is is the center, because it is boundless, and and you are and and you are the universe, as within, so without, as as above, so below. So according to our philosophy, uh, our imagination uh, reaches the whole universe, and and this is one of the things that that is so fascinating about this, is that uh, that. Uh, um these 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 worlds that we could visit are infinite and uh and we can travel i know uh there was some hindu guru uh back when hindu gurus were more popular came out with a book <laughs> called easy journeys to other planets well uh so they Very you know they, they they yeah they yeah they've been doing this for quite a while in fact uh the original John Carter, I was going to mention this, the original uh, uh, John Carter trip to Mars was inspired by a book called From India to the Planet Mars. Don't bother to read it. I have a copy of it, and and it's by it's actually by a woman whose second language was French. And so when she got to Mars, she found out that, that all the Martians were speaking some dialect of French. <laughs> so, it really is it's kind of underwhelming. But the idea it was an astral projection based on you know, on, on the Hindu idea. And uh the uh Burroughs just used that in his original book. Uh Carter, you know, got shot and and supposedly killed in this in this cave in Arizona and then 
and he's dying, and he and he gets up and goes out of the cave and looks up at Mars and and wants to go there because he's soldier and that's his heaven. So bingo, you know, he goes and he's there and 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 then. Uh, but when they did the film, uh, the screenplay, they thought. Obviously and rightly so. Oh come on, modern audiences aren't going to go for this. Let's just come up with something better. And boy, they sure did. They took uh, Burroughs's Holy Therns, which were a very sinister religious group of of uh, manipulators, kind of like kind of like Martian Illuminati, and gave them and and gave them these medallions, which were basically designed to look you know they're kind of like astrolabes and and all you have to do if you have one of these medallions is you, is you, uh, you know, you just you you sight it in and you and you and you hold the medallion and you give this conjuration where you want to go and bingo off you go and you're there. And uh, so this was a terrific idea, you know, that really improved the the story quite a bit. I'm sure Burroughs would have would have agreed had he been alive, he would have he would have appreciated it because it, it was much more effective. And uh, that's what we can do. And we've already got uh, Cousseur's Ibis boat for traveling the higher paths of the Tree of Life, and that works very, very well. And uh, uh, and and I've used actually I've used Cousseur's uh, Ibis boat for for uh, for projecting out into space, and it works. But I think that the astrolabe uh, is perhaps uh, better for the Soma Sophia, especially for long-range, you know, for long-range uh, um, flights, if you will. And uh, I, there's a couple other things I'd like to mention about this. Uh, when you do your Holy Guardian Angel retreat, you have three Holy Guardian Angels. One's the angel of your ascendant. One is the is the angel of the planet that rules the ascendant, and the other one is the one the angel that stays with you through all your incarnations. Now, it, it's a very nice idea to be able to go to your to your star, the star that that is that represents your ascendant. And uh, now, Tyndale's vision backs that up. I, I'll tell you something I found out that surprised me. What? When Tyndale had his vision of a descent into the underworld, really was a descent into it was an ascent into the the uh, the night sky. What he saw uh, before he starts descending is a bright star. It's his star, and the star when it manifests it to him, it becomes his guardian angel. Ah, well that that uh, now is that actually in the vision or is that your interpretation? That is in, uh, that is in the vision. Bright star Ooh, comes boy. to him, it, it turns into his guardian angel. That that points to what what we're talking about is a, a guardian angel based on a certain star. It, it kind of fits with a, an exercise that, that I've uh, done that, that you experienced called Fantasy Planet, where, you, where you, know, you see a star and you explore your own little solar system, you explore the planet and everything on it. And, and you said, you know, Frater Solomon, why don't we make this? Um, so you're actually going to the star that you're meant to go to. And uh, you, you get to have this neat little experience where you uh, explore imagery that you make up yourself based on certain questions. Yeah, yes, this was this was great. Uh, you know, uh, um, the uh, the uh, um, ascendant is also star that uh, you know that that we we try we we have an, in the path working in the hard path working when you get in that sarcophagus and you go out through that sighting hole in your pyramid and you go you go to that that's the star you go to is your star and by the way calculating your ascendant uh there's you can go on the internet and and uh, they have some programs for calculating your ascendant it's difficult yeah, if you just want to do it, you know, on paper, it, it, it's kind of a difficult process. But, but uh, they have some computer programs will calculate it for you that you can get onto. And I want to point this out: the guy that wrote Tyndale's Vision probably read Agrippa, because Agrippa quotes Hermes, and Hermes is the one who originally says that you have these three angels. Uh, one one is your ascendant, one is the planetary, one is your ascendant, and one and one is the one that stays with you through all the incarnations. Now, so that means that that, that the guy that wrote Tyndall's vision probably read Agrippa. 
and, oh, and there's plenty uh, of astrological symbolism in it, which is amazing. Um, like Acheron, which is supposed to be the river of the underworld, really corresponds to the Milky Way. And, and the big thing that you see towards the end of his vision is you go into Acheron. You actually go inside Acheron, which means yeah. you're going into the Milky Way. Well, yeah, let's let's point this out too, that that our our, our friend uh, uh, Jake Stratton Kent still thinks that the still thinks that the underworld is still in the underworld, but uh, and we know that when Her- when when Hercules pulled Cerebus up out of out of the underworld into the light of day, that's when the underworld became the overworld, and right. and. Uh, it's been that way ever since, and the Orphics, that that was that was the point point with, in which the Orphics uh, um, transformed uh, the the symbolism of the underworld into the overworld, and that river became the Milky Way, and and uh, the River of Souls. And now you talk uh, about something, Frater Fabian. Uh, you mention. Um, Kerberos, which is a multi-headed dog. I know in Tyndale's vision, he's greeted. The first thing he sees is a pack of wolves. Is Kerberos, do you think that corresponds to Corvus or, or uh, the two Canis um, constellations? I, I don't know what to make of, of the pack of wolves. Well, uh, uh, no, I think Cerberus uh, is, is uh, there were some some versions of it having, having more than two heads, but, but yeah, they pretty much settle on a two-headed dog. Uh, and uh, but that, that that symbolism also, if you notice the the moon tarot card, you got a wolf on one side of the stream and a and a dog on the other. So uh, the idea of Cerberus, Cerberus has generated a lot of uh, uh, a lot of magical symbolism comes out of comes from Cerberus. And uh, uh, so I think that uh, oh, and Hercules, let's 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 let's. Uh, Back up yeah. a little bit here, and and Hercules is one of the keys uh, in the Initiatic Code, and also one of the things that in the sixth degree that that people need to understand is that the labors of Hercules represent your cycle of incarnations around the circle of the zodiac, and this is part of the Initiatic Code, and and this is part of the, and the important thing is that Hercules was originally not Greek. He was originally Phoenician, Melkart, and and he and he went uh, and conquered the twelve beasts of the zodiac, and that was in the temple at Tyre. In that temple was one of the reasons I think why Alexander the Great uh, built a causeway all the way over to Tyre so he could march over there and invade the temple and and get inside there and declare himself, you know, representative representative of, of Ares and destroy the old Taurus zodiac and and uh, you know and 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 usurp the 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 mantle of of Hercules himself. Alexander was convinced that, you know, that he was a god and uh and I think some people still think he was, but maybe. Anyway, um, uh, ever since uh, Alexander, of course, we've uh, uh, the, the, the Greeks the Greeks have ruled astrology uh, ever since that that time. Uh, and a couple of other things I would like to discuss while we're on this subject of things that uh, like the astrolabe that we use. Uh, for this kind of work, uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with a with a book and a set of astrological cards called Urania's Mirror. But I think uh, those of us who are really interested in, the, in in this sort of thing have all seen this. This is a book that that uh, Urania's Mirror, a view of the heavens, uh, and, and accompanying a deck of thirty two cards, and it, this. This was designed. The cards were designed by a uh, an anonymous British lady, and first published in 1825. And she had this nice little book. The book was actually written by a, an astrologer. Um, uh, let's see, um, 
Jehoshaphat Aspen. He's the he wrote the book for her, but she did she did the cards and a beautiful beautiful old uh, artwork, uh, watercolor and ink artwork of the constellations, and the all the stars are perforated, so you can hold the card up. Especially if you kind of kind of clean up the perforations a little bit and you know, widen them, and you can hold the card up and you can see the light shine through them, and it's very clever. And uh, they they first came out 1825. They've been used ever since. Uh, and this 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 is a great aid to uh, exploring the you know exploring the the, the heavens because uh, all of the constellations that we can see are are pictured on these on these cards, and. Uh, uh, by the way, I want to mention too that that the lady, whoever she was, bless her heart, she her artwork was inspired by another book that we use, another very very uh, important book that we use, old one, Solarius, the Harmonia Macrocosmica, sixteen sixty, Atlas of the Heavens. This is an incredible book that that shows. That, that all these old the artwork on these these uh, especially the that the artwork that influenced Uranus mirror comes from Solarius, and this is an amazing book. It's kind of expensive, but uh, but there's a card deck for that one too that you can get <laughs> uh, the yeah, the Harmonia Macrocosmia postcard deck, and and uh, and so take your choice on that one. But uh, that that is the, the Solarius's Atlas of the Heavens. That's very important to um, the celestial navigation. And uh, so uh, let's see here. Um, did, uh, do you you uh, you you actually thought last week uh, we we did that path working to uh, to the Garden of Earthly Delights? And as I recall, you located that. Uh, in in uh, in the constellation Leo, uh, right? And uh, yeah, we well, want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's sort of a, a good starting point um, for for people in their sixth degree. I think when they get it, um, we have all these planets that we're starting to discover uh, in, in these other solar system. I mean, in these constellations, and uh, planets are, are really a, they're a good place. Um, imaginary or not they're a good place to really just project a whole field of ideas um with Bosch, we have something that's very well thought out uh very established very detailed and very meaningful uh, but it also uh, all, all these little symbols will cause you to key into certain parts of your consciousness as well like you've got these two giant ears that are being sliced and that makes you think about what you listen to and uh you have this blue devil who's um swallowing souls and then digesting them and, and uh, kind of pooping them out, out into uh, in, into some world where they're regurgitated. And, and I think that represents reincarnation. Um, the reason I chose Leo is because we don't know in Hieronymus, but we know that he died in the constellation of Leo. So that's his birth into the spirit world. So I thought that that would be a good place to take you, um, starting off with the planets. And then um, with the the next path working which will be on uh saint An- saint anthony's temptation uh i'll i'll, I'll take uh, the participants to um uh, the capricorn cluster which is messier object object number 30 and uh take you a little further out 27,000 year light years away um and then uh we finally get tyndale's vision which now that i'm reading it i'm thinking yeah this is uh definitely horribly christianized but there's some really good, rich symbolism in here. And um, his descent into the underworld is really an ascent into the uh, stars. And uh, one, there, there's a lot of reasons why we know that the stars were really, uh, the, the night sky became the underworld during the day. Uh, the Egyptians, they did that where uh, the sun at night, he's traveling through the underworld, and then the stars are up during the daytime, then they switch positions. Um, uh, the Jews and, and the Hindus have a, a similar conception in their lore, and um, and the Greeks make, make it pretty clear too that um, the night sky during the daytime just went to the underworld. So, um, so so the purpose of this path working is is just to kind of get you started on one of the constellation signs and um, keying into the energy that's associated with Leo 
it, it's a good starting point too because Leo is a strong sign, and, and we want you to be strong when you enter it as well because this is pretty unfamiliar territory. It requires, um, kind of like Frederick Fabian was saying, it, it's like one of those complex mandalas where to really get the best out of it, you have to meditate on it and um, really think about what all the symbolism means before you go in because there's just so much to remember. We, we were joking around how everybody, almost everybody who was doing the past version when I did it, and I didn't even think of this, they had to peek in order to remember all the little symbolisms that, that Bosch had in it. But um, it, it, it's just a good, uh, it, it's a good starting point, but we're also going to have an opportunity, I think, um, you know, Fred Othobian, he, he, he knows what's best. I, I, I get excited about things, but he has a good overall direction of where you need to go for this to be a good psychologically beneficial system. But, but there's so much excite, exciting material just in the planets. The planets represent seven, you know, our, our psychology broken down into seven components. And then the zodiac breaks it down a little further. It takes our uh, psychology and it breaks it down into 12. It also helps us understand other people besides just ourselves. So uh, it, it's a good um, it, it, it's a good system for that. You, you understand seven components of yourself, and then you understand 12 different types of people after you really get a good hold on who you are. But uh, just starting with the planets, and the neat thing about them is they, they typically, through the centuries, have retained their symbolism. So even with all this exciting, uh, these spiritual journeys where people started astrally projecting to Mars and Venus in the um, 1800s, Mars has always been a planet of war, and Venus has always been uh, a planet of love. And even when it was populated with aliens, those aliens pretty much, um, they they pretty much kept those attributes that were typically uh, assigned to them. Now, now back onto the Zodiac, which is um, where Bosch is helping us go. Uh, back onto the Zodiac, um, we have 12 angels assigned to them. Um, so you have uh, kind of arch, guardian archangels who, who guard everybody who has that facility. But also, um, it, you have 12 monsters that Marduk slew So in Babylonian mythology and assigned to the underworld. But all of those 12 signs, and we know the Zodiac is, it was largely developed in Babylonia, not Greece. All of those signs, um, uh, six of them are definitely easily relatable to six of the signs of the Zodiac. You've got your Sagittarius, you've got your Scorpion, uh, you've got your Water Bearer, you've got your Fish Man. Everything corresponds to the Zodiac. Um, so everything in the underworld all the, all the way back then was already con- corresponding to the overworld, the Zodiac. So, uh, well, Hermes, Hermes, Hermes said, man creates the gods of the Earth sphere, but the gods of the Zodiac are eternal, quote Hermes Trismegistus, whom it is unlawful to disbelieve. Now, one <laughs> thing I want to, one thing I want to point out though, before you, to those of you out there, this is a great, resource for budding science fiction and fantasy writers, obviously. In fact, fact, I strongly suspect, having known some of these people myself and and been been under the tutelage of one of the masters, I I think that that some of the greatest fantasies uh, and stories that we, we, we have are a result of of People going to these other worlds, uh, and 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 like an artist, except in the case of a writer, it's a, it's a, his palette is his typewriter, or his computer, or whatever. Uh, you're visualizing in your on your story, and how many of these stories that we know and love, you know, and even even in a sense Edgar Rice Burroughs' Mars stories. How many of them really did happen somewhere, you know? Um, uh, I have a feeling, well, in in my science fiction, uh, science fantasy novel, I believe that that it it occurred, uh, you know, uh, on a planet, uh, on the star of my ascendant, which which, which I am going to withhold for the present time. Uh, but I, I, I suspect that, that these visions, a lot of these visions, 
do represent uh, uh, things that have actually happened on other planets. But what I would like to caution anybody using this these methods for deriving these stories, please, when you read Lynn Carter's imaginary worlds first before you set out, and the reason why I say that is this, then you won't be coming back and writing stories where people's names are so similar that the reader can't tell the characters apart. In other words, learn how to write a good fantasy before you go out and, and, and do the research to, to, you know, to create one. Uh, and uh, with that in mind, uh, I think we're, about, we're just about, about to run out of time. And, and uh, thanks, Frater Solomon, for coming on board. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, next week we'll be on station again with another program, hopefully as, as stimulating. And uh, and meanwhile, those of you who are who are on the website, the associate members, the, the yoga book is the Hermetic Volume One of the Hermetic Yoga book is out. It's available only to associate members, and we have a coupon printed right at the beginning of the website, and uh, so you can get get it for our printing cost, we'll, and 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 a few dollars for postage, and. Uh, so, so send us the coupon and and uh, and get your get your hermetic yoga book, because um, if you want to if you want to visit other worlds, that's that's the, the that's the best place to start is hermetic yoga. And oh, the, the meanwhile, amazing. what? No, oh, the the artwork is very stimulating. It, it it really it really spices up the imagination extremely well. I can't recommend it enough. Well, especially especially Fred Adams' beautiful cover. <laughs> And the blue goddess, yeah, that 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 cover is is is, is a masterpiece. Anyway, uh, until then, uh, thanks again, uh, Frater Solomon, and until next week, good magic. All right, thanks. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.